This episode of the Counter Funny Gamescast is brought to you by Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost, directly to the consumer. Casper combines two technologies, we're talking about the springy latex foam and supportive memory foam, to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Let me tell you what, Kevin. Recently, Curran, my best friend, he needed a mattress. And I said, you should go to Casper.com and use the code Counter Funny. you can get one. He did that, it was easy to order. Next thing you know, he's sleeping well. He's having good night's sleeps. You could do that too. Get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size mattress. Comparing this industry averages, that's an outstanding price point. And you can save $50 towards a mattress purchase when you go to casper.com slash gamecast and entering promo code gamecast. So there's no, no S in there, just gamecast. Terms and conditions apply. Free shipping and returns to US and Canada. I want to hear all about your... You're, the fun that you're having on your new Casper mattress. Anyways, that's Casper.com slash GameCast using promo code GameCast. What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 83 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. I'm Tim Geddes, as always, joined by... The illustrious Colin Moriarty and Greg Miller, wow. a.k.a. the coolest dudes in video games. It's too late. You blew it. You blew it. You know what? This has been a long day. We were recording this at the end. The tail end of what, Kevin? What was said, that? Oh, you're all tired? Oh, you're sleepy? You guys want to I go to sleep? I fucking hate you. Oh, you're we've been We've been doing a lot of things today. This is the end of our 12-hour stream. Celebrating. Launching the Kind of Funny, funny studio. Did you ever hit play on the background video, Kev, just to make sure? Did you? You too busy yeah? stuffing okay, your face good. over there. Good, he's <laughs> over there, fucking multi-hand salsa chipping one hand with the dip, so he's just like never have not having something in his mouth. Good for you. So basically, it's all for coming apart, ladies and gentlemen. This is the kind of funny this. games cast. Thank you very much for making it happen on this beautiful new set, and thank you, Steven Insler, over on Patreon for being the Patreon, Patreon producer, producer yet again. Stop making these things happen. But anyway, you can get the show early, you can get all the goodies, you can help make us do even bigger things. I don't know what we're going to do next. Who knows? This is the end of the road. Blimp. I don't know. Kind of funny blimp. Kind of funny blimp? Yeah. We should get an Ectomobile kind of car. We should have a kind of funny mobile. Because like it would have been helpful last night, right? When we needed to go do things, drive around, I wanted to go to Target. Uh It would have been good. It would have been good. I went to Target today. You can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games to help support us over there, help make more cool stuff happen, or you can support us by going to youtube.com slash games and subscribing, just like over 200,000 of you guys have done. That's right. We once again crossed the 200,000 mark. Yeah. That's pretty cool. No, another purge. We no YouTube purge is going to get us. More importantly, today is not only the launch of our beautiful studio. It is also the day that I officially hit 69,000 followers on Twitter. Yay. Thank you. I've been I've been working real hard for it. It finally happened. Um, we have a lot to talk about today. Some bad things, some worse things. I have literally no idea what this show's about at this point. I'm we've, very we've excited. We've discussed it days ago, but I don't remember. Anyway, it's a total blackout. There's there's a lot of a lot of things here that uh, we we've talked about, you know, separately in little bits and pieces. But we haven't had full on discussions about some of them. One of those things being Metal Gear Survive. Mm. Let me paint the picture for you, Colin. Me and Greg, we're in Austin. We're at Rooster Teeth. We're in this random dark warehouse. There's an old woman there, very old woman. And I'm like, 
trying to lure her into a trap and it's really weird. It'll make a lot of sense. For the record, this is all true. It'll make a lot of sense when you see Million Dollars Butt next month. But we're doing all this while I have some downtime from luring the old lady into a trap. I pull up my phone and I see IGN. I'm like, Gamescom's been fucking lame this year. Nothing's coming out of it. It really has. All of a sudden, I see a new Metal Gear announced. And I'm like, oh God, it must be a pachinko machine. Nope, trailer. I'm like, all right, start watching. I'm like, okay, it's no, it's a real game. Okay, it's a zombie game. It's all right. This looks. It's a co-op zombie game. It's a co-op zombie game. Like we've all wanted from our Metal Gears. A lot of people aren't happy about it. Yeah. I immediately was like, hmm, all right, people are going to be upset. I want to know how upset. I go to the YouTube version of the video. Many, many, many dislikes. Yeah. Um, so I look at the comments. Not many nice things. Oh, my. Said. Now, that's that's rare, though, for YouTube, to be honest. But this was like this was like Ghostbusters movie level. This was Call of Duty Advanced Warfare trailer level. You know, Both type. of which deserved all their hate. But, I mean, for this, then I stopped and thought about it. I'm like. Is there any redeeming qualities about this? Now, I, w- I want to get your guys' initial thoughts on it. And is there a bright side at all? Yeah, of course there is. I, I'm a big Metal Gear fan, as you know. Favorite game of all time, Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. Thanks, Kevin, for cutting to my one camera. I'm glad you're still stuffing Tostitos down your face. What's wrong with the chat? I don't know. Colin, talk. One, two, three. One, two, three, four, five. I mean, you're slightly quieter, but like they're One, two, freaking three, out. Four, five. If it's not Lou Turbo, I don't want to hear about it. I'm a big Metal Gear fan. Colin's mic know. is low. No, he's just not putting his face in front so, of the mic. You are now. You weren't earlier. Oh my so, God. don't get mad. I want to apologize to everyone listening on iTunes. If you got it off the Google Play Store, I don't care. So, I'm a big Metal Gear Solid fan. <laughs> I roll over because I didn't have this early ass call time like you did. I blurry eyed look at my phone. I got a few text messages. I see one from you, and it's just. It was like, what the what the fuck's with this Metal Gear news? And I was like, what? And immediately went to IGN as well. Shout out to IGN. And I, yeah, watched the trailer there. And it was like, whoof. And it's been a range of emotions. It's been a roller coaster of emotions. Your first, as Greg Miller instinct is, fuck Konami. I'm going to jump on that bandwagon. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? This is not Metal Gear. I do not want a co-op game. I do not want a zombie game. That's not why I play Metal Gear. But then Danny O'Dwyer popped up on Twitter and was like, Man, this is some sour grapes bullshit. You all don't want them at all tarnishing the legacy of Metal Gear, and they're not. They're giving you an alternate history timeline that doesn't involve Big Boss at all. Why are you all being such babies? I respond, but I, I tell me is a great point. But it's just the fact that it's not my Metal Gear. But I wasn't offended at Revengeance, right? Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't that I wasn't that bent out of shape about Revengeance. I didn't play it. I didn't. I played. I played it in demos. Knew it wasn't a game for me. It's it's a complicated issue. I think you're saying, is there no silver lining? Or is there a silver lining? I think the silver lining, yeah, is what the fuck was that, Kevin? That was the most half-assed you're going to get low. Then you tried to get low. Then you walked around like a normal person. Then you got low. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta understand that I, I just don't care. I don't mind you not caring. I was just like, wow. I just... I, like, there was a moment where I was like, all right, I should try. Everything's set fucking fine. <laughs> The, the chat's freaking out because because of him. I, didn't, I haven't said anything though. Because of him. I that. So I the redeeming quality, I think, is the fact that, yeah, it really isn't. It I mean, Oh, I, it's not your Metal Gear? It's not something you want? Go fuck yourself. What do, mm-hmm. I, do I have the right to sit here and be pissy on the sidelines about it? No, not really. Why are why is Konami making another Metal Gear game? Because they own it and they want us to make, make money, money off of it. Off of it. Yeah. That's the thing. Is like, and, and like, am I really allowed to sit here and from a trailer be so negative without to any it. gameplay at all be so negative to, and it was like because it's just 
it, they, they're not even calling it Metal Gear Solid, right? They're calling it Metal Gear. They're, they're like, we're doing something different here mm -hmm. and we're going to use this franchise. Do I think it's a, a right move? No. It, I, what I want to see them do with it is stop. Just stop making Metal Gear. They're not going but to do that. But why would they do that though? You know, exactly. I think that, that's the, the problem there is that they have no incentive to stop making their biggest game yeah. franchise. Yeah. You know, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. Like Kojima being gone, I'm sure they're not happy about that overall in terms of the quality of their games and like what that means, and especially with all the shit that they have to deal with now. But from a business perspective, unless they're totally gonna just stop the whole gaming side, which isn't that far out of their future. Yeah, AAA gaming, yeah. Um, why would they if until they back out triple-a gaming they have one of the biggest triple-a games yeah. in the franchises why not continue in some way and so that's the whole thing is like i don't believe this is the right I, for me this isn't the right foot forward for the metal gear thing you so know let me I mean? let me ask you a question there yeah. so that that's what I, I see the trailer and i was just like god this is disaster written all over it the redeeming qualities to me are fox engine i loved how metal gear solid 5 played sure more game set in that mm. cool like another like ground zeroes style thing Cool, I'm fine with that. I mean, my 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 argument to that, or not even argument, my my my, my I'm gonna poke a hole in it and not just be a fanboy. That is like, well, how much did you like Metal Gear Online? How much Metal Gear Online did you play? None. Yeah, yeah. That's the whole thing. Is this going to be like a Peace Walker thing, or is it going to be like a Metal Gear Online thing? Well, it looks like it's gonna be Metal Gear Online. This, I mean, that's the thing is, I'm just trying to look at the the few things that I do like about sure. it, and that is the engine and the gameplay sure. of it. Uh, because when the moment you go out of that, you look at it, it's like the biggest issue for me is that it looks like. Resident Evil, Raccoon City, Outbreak, yep. or whatever it was called. But it also kind of looks like the aesthetic of the Resident Evil movies, which is not a compliment. You know, sure. it, it definitely it has a vibe of like, all right, we're, we're taking Metal Gear, but really it, there's nothing to do with Metal Gear at all. And, and I think at that, least that's a good thing, right? They're, at least they're like, the, all right, there's a weird portal. See, shit it's that funny that you say that's sense. the good thing, and it, and it is the silver lining even I point out, but it is also that's what's so offensive about it. But in this is that weird thing we all walk that line of of being fans and being industry pundits or insiders, whatever the hell we are. Of I understand the business decision. I think they're doing it in the best way they can of trying to get around it. But it's still like it's so obviously let's cash in on the Metal Gear name. It's yep. so obvious. Let's keep going. And I can't fault them for it. When Colin dies, I'm still gonna call it Colin and Greg live. Mm -hmm. I'll just find another Colin, or I'll rename Nick. It's easy. Yeah, it it is pretty easy. So okay, that leads me to my the, my bigger point here is looking at the what Konami could have done. What could the future of Metal Gear have been? Because the options I see are don't ever make another Metal Gear. Sure, which again. is not not really plausible. You're a business remake. One of the other ones. Sure. Which is offensive then to Kojima's legacy and everything else. Continue the storyline. Which everybody would figure out about as well. Do a spinoff that is canon or do something like this that is as different as it can be while still being part of it. I mean, for me, what I, if I was this, if I'm at Konami, Kojima walks, it's this huge PR nightmare inside gaming. Because that's the whole thing, right? Of like, we always talk about this. Our core audience, you watching this show right now, of course, I pointed to the camera because I'm doing a soliloquy thinking that it would be on me, but Kevin's over there fucking trying to find all the salsa he can. He's shaking <laughs> trees outside looking for salsa jars. I'm afraid to talk. I don't know if my microphone works. <laughs> if, I'm in, if I'm in Konami HQ and I know we have to make a Metal Gear game, what I would want to do is go find a name in the industry that people like and trust and say, we want you to make the next Metal Gear. We want it to be totally different. It can be in the same universe if that's what you want, but we aren't telling Big Boss's story. We aren't telling Snake's story. You can have a crossover here or there, but I would want to see them reach out and be like, 
and I mean, go fucking crazy of like Cliff Blazinski. What would your Metal Gear look like? You know what I mean? Like a name that people would be like, that's fucking crazy, but we understand what you're in that. And I would put out a statement that's like Hideo Kojima's legacy is, I mean, there's, you can't put it into words what it means for gaming, let alone Metal Gear. Mm-hmm. But we believe in what the Metal Gear franchise and, you know, name means, and we want to see that apply to somebody else. So we've partnered with Lauren Lanning, Cliff Blazinski, Steve Gate. You know what I mean? I'm talking about weird names. Ken Levine, like names that don't even make sense when you hear it, but like, okay, yeah, what would their Metal Gear look like? Because then it is the best of both worlds in a way of creator that our core audience, what we believe in, understands and gets excited about and then what the mass consumer who's a metal gear fan and has no idea that hideo kojima is connected to this thing what they think out of it mm. the thing there, all those people right because i feel like there's a short list of names that you can even think of when you're talking about people in that echelon yeah um when it comes to you know quality of their work combined with notoriety and people knowing who they are right all of those people like i can't see them looking at a game like metal gear a franchise like metal gear and being like I'm going to do my version. Oh, no, 100%. That, you know? No, I'm, I don't get me wrong. That's why it's such a hard sell and why it's next to impossible, right? Is the fact that I'm sure if you went to Cliff Blazinski, he's like, do you want to do Metal Gear? He would go, fuck you, Konami. No, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Are you kidding me? You did. I've seen how you treat your creators. I've seen how you treated his legacy. No, I don't want exactly. to make I mean, something it's for something, you. you. look. You see something like Star Wars where, you know, Lucas made masterpieces, then he fucked up, and then J.J. Abrams came in, and that was different, right? Like they fucked that up. Whereas Metal Gear Solid never really got fucked up. It had issues here mm. and there. There's been something. The lolly luli lolo. I mean, we're not getting Star Wars prequel level uh, fuck ups of, of classics, right? Like Metal Gear Solid Five. Is it Metal Gear Solid and like all that? Whatever, it's still amazing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that. Yeah, that's yeah, my yeah, point. Is it's like mean. we're not getting the Phantom Menace. And that's my whole Gear. argument with the whole thing of like where I I find myself tossing and turning in terms of this argument. I'm, I'm a flip flopper. I'm a John Kerry here. I'm swift boating. Is the fact that technically, <laughs> technically, right? Like Metal Gear Solid Five. I will my critique. Right? It didn't have Metal Gear moments in terms of the story. So. That's not my Metal Gear, but I loved the gameplay and I enjoyed everything. And there were like it was peaks and valleys. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but so can can I really sit here and be so like oh my monocle falls out when I see this trailer? And I'm so, mm-hmm. I, we knew they were going to continue doing stuff with it. Does that make it right? No. Does that make it wrong? No. I think what's so crazy about it is how unexpected it was. Sure. None yeah. of us thought it was going to come this soon, this way. Like, here's a trailer. It's happening or whatever. And now that they had to do a little bit of damage control because a lot of people are like, fuck this. And then yeah. they come out. They're like, it's not a $60 game. Uh, oh, they, I didn't see this. I haven't heard this. Oh, yeah. They didn't, they didn't say the price, but it's not going to be $60. It's coming out next year. Okay. And it's like, I think that that not doesn't solve the problems with this, but at least kind of gives a, a framing to it all where it's just like, all right, it's essentially just DLC. You know? uh, yeah, I guess, but it's the just, modern day DLC. It's just that thing of like, if I, if you wanted to do it right, dial back my creator comment, dial back whatever, right? I would say we're releasing a Metal Gear, and it's brand new, and it's story driven, it's story based. We're going to give you an experience like Metal Gear Solid. You know what I mean? We are going to give you something with tangible characters, things you care about. We're going to get you back into this and invested. Not. We're going to give you this side story and it's going to be zombies and you're going to be co-op. And it's just like, because what is this? Why am I as a Metal Gear fanboy excited about this? I'm not. And it's not even I'm not excited about it because I have bad blood with Konami, which I don't. Right. Like, I understand business. I know how things go. I can't wait to fire Kevin. I mean, when you look at all that stuff and put it on the table, it's brand new, beautiful. This table table? Um, with like Revengeance didn't do too well. Uh, Critically, it did 
fine, but yeah. in terms of sales, it didn't do sure. well at all. So that kind of said a lot about the metal, like what Metal Gear mm-hmm. is and how much resonance that has with people. Audio. Bye, Nick Scarpino. Congratulations on your studio yes. launch. Um, real quick aside, that's what we talked about with the sales of Metal Gear Solid Phantom Pain, right? Where it wasn't gangbusters. This thing did so many units. It did well, it but did it well, didn't do yeah. nearly as much as I think people thought it was going but to with, do. But with Revengeance, it was even... Oh, was yeah, like, no, you know, no, that, no. That was like... It sold, I'm raiding. It sold I poorly. love you, Rose. So with this, I don't think that uh, that anybody can make a, a Metal Gear Solid game in the way we think of it, besides Kojima. And that's why I blow it up and just take the name. Yeah, but... I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they they could. And I think this is to me, it's a, it's a cash grab. But I think yeah. it's it's a very it's from a business point of view, it's the right move in order to make 100%. the most money using a thing that they are totally just tarnishing. It's one. Of, I mean, another great way. There's like two sides to it. Where where, I, where I'm saying like, yeah, get a name attached to it, right? That'd be awesome. Would anybody do it? No, unless you want to really shout money and blah blah blah. And this is the problem: is we're talking about me being at Konami and running Konami the way I would see it. Clearly, I don't agree with them and uh, a lot of their business practices here. The other way to do it would be to take and elevate from the Kojima team, if anyone's still around, who's that core person or a young up and coming creator like that of somebody who is, I grew up in these games and I know what I'm doing and I have my own story to tell. But like that narrative is so hard to tell as well. And it's going to be, hey, I'm this guy you've never seen before and the internet just bashing him or her over the head over and over and over again. I mean, I think the right way to do it is to kind of Go to the guys that grew up playing Metal Gear and have them make their game, but then those people make volume, you know? And so it's like they're not going to make their what own, Mike their own uh, Metal Gear Solid and stuff. So it's like, I don't know. It's My thing is, I'm not going to play this. You're right. Like, it's like, I don't know. Who is the target audience for this besides just people that are just going to look at it? Because it is pretty. Metal Gear Solid in 5 is very, very pretty. Yeah. So using that, the Fox engine is awesome. So... That alone, you, someone walks into a GameStop and sees it on the video screen. I can see people that don't understand being like, I've heard of Metal Gear. I like fighting zombies. I like zombies. I like. I want to play something with my friends. You know, so I want to do this. Yeah. This reminds me a lot of the um, the Undead, the, the Red Dead Redemption. Undead Nightmare? Yeah. That or the then there was the was it Infamous that had the, the Festival of the Blood. Festival of Blood. It's like, this reminds me kind of that in I a guess, way. But right? Undead Nightmare was so exciting because it was more Red Dead, but completely different and even mm-hmm. infamous was the same way of like here's a standalone piece of content you're going to get and you get, get to get back into new Murray and have a different spin on it you know what's interesting it was criminally underrated i too. wonder if kojima was related to this how what people would react how mm-hmm. negatively they would I, yeah. I don't think it'd be positive but i think it would no i mean that's the thing like if if let's say right now it was metal i was it metal gear survival is that what metal it's called gear survive survive sorry metal gear survive hideo kojima's metal, metal gear survive my initial thought of we're playing a co-op oh it's gonna be like peace walker i'm gonna have a multiplayer experience like peace walker where i'm playing and infiltrating and doing all these things with but even then i'm like infiltrating infiltrating the zombies with their ashes their ash face and ash head or whatever that i'm shooting i don't no, that's not what it's going to be. And so then it does become, is it going to be a la Resident Evil, the action Resident Evils here we've gotten at the end? That doesn't sound good to me. I don't want that. Yeah. What do you think, Call? I don't know. I saw it and I kind of just glazed over when I when I was reading it because, I mean, it's it's not a huge surprise. I mean, the, the things that Greg was, was saying are interesting but not possible simply because 100%. Uh, Konami didn't treat Kojima's exit right. But this isn't the fr- – what we're losing sight of is that um, – this isn't the first time they've, they've treated someone like that. They did this to Koji Igarashi too. So, um, you know, and they really like shit on Castlevania and gave it to a studio that didn't deserve it. Um, and so I feel like the right move for Konami as a publisher would actually be to go to, to a, a franchise like Contra, um, I think, and ignore these other things that they've kind of ruined 
and find someone to work on it with, with like work on that game. The thing is, is that you're not, and, and this point was made, is that they're really going to be unable to make any sort of, attract any sort of talent. You can elevate someone from Kojima's team, except for the fact that he took everyone, it sounds like. So, like, that he cared, that he wanted. So, they, the people internally know what happened to that team. And, and so, I don't know that anyone really wants to work with them. But to your point, the Fox Engine exists. The game's being made, in, it sounds like, in less than two years, which is almost, which is actually ridiculous by modern terms um, for, a, for the A or AAA space. So they're reusing assets and they're doing what's wise. Here's the major wise as a publisher, wise to make money. But here's the major thing, and this is what I was saying at the, at the when we went to Denver to do PS I Love You. Um, you're gonna buy it. So, and I'm not saying you guys, but I'm saying there, there's there's tons of people out there that are going to buy this game um, because they don't put their money where their mouth is and they can't resist Metal Gear. Just like I said when Mass Effect Three came out and everyone was bitching and whining about it, I guaranteed and said that many of you, most of you, a vast majority of you will buy the next Mass Effect game as if nothing ever happened because you don't know how to make publishers pay for the decisions they make. And if you want to hurt Konami, don't buy the fucking game. You when, know, you, that's, when you that's say lots, though, do you mean like it's going to... I think it's going to chart. Like I think this is going to be a miss. I think this game is not going to do well. People... Lots, meaning maybe maybe thousands of people are going to buy it for Metal, sure. Well, more than thousands of people are going to buy know, it. But Metal, I'm, Metal I'm Metal trying to say, you know what I mean? I don't do better or worse than Revenge. Yeah, like Metal Gear Rising Ooh, that's was a great like, way to do I, it. I think it's probably going to do like comparable, if not better, than Metal Gear Rising. If it's, especially because it's not going to be a sixty dollars game. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I think I like I just my one big thing is like if you didn't like Mass Effect three, then don't don't buy Andromeda. They screwed you. You feel screwed over, but you forget, you know. And and I think so. You're going to buy it. And you're all going to buy Andromeda, right? Everyone that, ma- that bitched about Mass Effect. And I do feel like a major subsect of the Metal Gear fan base is going to buy this game because, they, they, because they're curious. I don't really begrudge that a person from doing that. I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong because if someone, you know, look what Capcom did to, to, to Inafune, but I would buy the next Mega Man game in two seconds. So it's not like I'm, I'm saying like you're a hypocrite or a bad sure, person. Sure, sure. I'm just saying that the Kojima situation is very unique and very specific, I think. He's a great visionary um, game developer and Konami really did mistreat him. But like I said, they do have a track record of doing this. They did this to someone else who's not as well known, but but they did it to him too. And 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 if we knew the internal workings of their other teams and the things that have gone sure. over over the years, I'm sure you'd find that they probably maybe had done this, you know, maybe not sure, but maybe they had done this to others as well. So they're, they, they're in between a rock and a hard place. They have to use the assets they have and they have to use the talent they have because they're not gonna be able to attract anyone else. Well, this is one of the things I honestly think it's a little bit Apple and Oranges, uh, Mass Effect 3 Andromeda to this and uh, Metal Gear fucking survive because i feel like it's not like the mass effect the narrative is so easy right mass effect i played three games i had i enjoyed my ride i hated the ending i didn't like their three choices blah 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 blah. andromeda is going to come out and be like hey we've taken that feedback we're building a universe this is what's happening but it's still at the core of the same gameplay i feel this is going to have the impact and the weight and the resonance as sure revengeance or it's going to have it as acid where it's like Oh, cool! A new metal. Oh, this isn't like you. You're an informed consumer. You look into sure acid sold. People played it, but it wasn't like oh fuck. This is a runaway success. This is so different for the franchise that I feel enough people stand back on the sidelines and see what happens. And unless they fucking pull a rat out of their hat and they sit down and everybody's like, oh man, this is like Left 4 Dead but in the Metal Gear universe. This is awesome. I just don't see it. Yeah, I, I I think the major thing here is that you know I don't have any respect at all for Konami as a company, I don't, they're, they're the only publisher in the entire industry where I'm like, you know, you guys can go fuck yourselves. We, your, your, your game was transparent and I'm not talking about the game Metal Gear. I'm saying the game they play with Kojima is transparent. They screwed around, they disrespected him. They wouldn't let him show up to accept an award. They did all this bullshit to him. 
Um, and we, yeah, we don't know the the internal workings, but you have to have at least a better PR face than that. They burned a lot of bridges um, with a lot of people. Just remember that when the next game comes out. 100%. Now it's now it's and I, and now I think it's, that's one thing people won't forget. And and I think it's it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for me too. Like when they inevitably bring back Castlevania, you know, like what what do I do then? I I don't know, but I know that you know they burned someone that I really care about too. And fucked up a franchise I really care about too, which was really not their most important franchise, but a franchise that many of us grew up with. So, uh, you know, Konami, I was surprised that they were getting back into this this soon, to be yeah, honest. I thought they were going to take a long um, break. And I think that might have been the wisest move. I think if you gave this a few years and just let it go, and then it came back later and made a real Metal Gear game, even a canon Metal Gear game, I think they would have gotten away with it better than they were getting away with this because time does heal all wounds. But I can't, I'm not even a Metal Gear fan anymore. I was. Um, I just can't respect the company that that handled the situation the way that they handled it. And it's, it's maybe not individuals their fault, but someone is at fault there. And um, but but Metal Gear is so irresistible to a lot of people, just like Mass Effect so irresistible to a lot of people, just like Castlevania Mega Man would be very irresistible to me, even though they screwed over. You know, those companies seem to have screwed people that I cared about as well. So it's an interesting kind of thing. I think the game looks fucking terrible, and and you know we'll we'll, we'll see how. We'll see how, like, I don't, you want to milk that Metal Gear name, but then it's, it has nothing to do with Big Boss, has nothing to do with the canon, so why even call it Metal Gear, but then because it's going to sell copies. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's, we'll see how it all turns out. I, the biggest, my biggest concern, the biggest red flag is the gestation period of, you know, the game came out September 2014, right? No, 2015. Yeah. September 2015. And then this will come out no later than fall, probably 2017. So you're talking about two years. It's not a very long time to make a triple. No, and not only two years, two years of turmoil of teams torn apart. This, that economy LA, who was the online team gets laid off. What's happening. Like, yeah, it's not like it's been a team. that has been working. Yeah, exactly. yeah. We'll see how it works. We'll see how it all works out. We will. So second topic of the day, Greg, let me take you back. Oh my God. Time travel. It's adventure. another Greg Miller topic. All right. It was March 30th. Me and you were down in L.A. at the Shrine <laughs> Theater. They told us. We stood on stage and we told the people that Final Fantasy 15 was going to come out on September 30th. And during it, they're like, this is the date. No more delays. Mm -hmm. And we said, I believe you, Tabata. And then what did Colin you. say? This game's not coming out on September 30th. I want to find a clip of you saying that. Yeah, I don't remember. Because I don't think that. you ever you made a joke beforehand. It. The power of lies. <laughs> Still say it comes out 2021. Someone, that was my someone original prediction. please try to find, find it. Go ahead and find it. Anyways. Tom Hawkins. Find it, Tom. We're, we're liars. We didn't know it until. I like how somebody who tweeted, he's like, how does it feel that Square Enix made you a bunch of liars? They're like, fine. I don't yeah, know. I, mean, I don't care. I, don't I mean, it sucks. You know, I don't give a shit about the lying part, but it sucks because I want to play the damn game. Yeah. But I mean, it's like, all right, shit happens. I can't believe it happened, to be real. I can't either. Like, wow. Like the fact that wow. they, they made that event and had they the were date. so fucking confident that that was going to be the date. They were so into it. They were so confident that it was the date. And I, I keep saying this, but it's the first time I said it on content. The time when the when they announced the date, there was like the roulette thing that kind of went through and it ended on September 30th. But before it did that, it ended on November 30th. And everyone's like, ah, and then it went, it went down to September. And everyone's yeah. like, ah. Now it's November 29th. Tabata didn't expect that to happen. He thought November 30th was going to be the. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he looked at it, he's like, oh, the fuck. <laughs> so yeah, go I'm going to read some things. Okay. And then oh. we can talk about some facts right here. Speaking to IGN at Gamescom, Final Fantasy XV director 
Hajami Tabata explained that a hefty day one patch was originally in store for the game, but ultimately he didn't want fans who play offline to be unable to experience the game at its best. Instead, he wanted the game to be in its most polished state as soon as players put in the disc. Quote, originally, I was thinking it would be okay and we could put all the extra updates into a day one patch, Tabata told IGN. But at that point, I learned there are maybe a lot of people out there who play in an offline environment and don't have internet. When I found that out, thinking about it again, I'm glad I didn't make that decision. It would take about one month exactly to fit everything we wanted in the day one patch into the disc version. And with that, pretty much all the technical issues would be sorted out. And then we thought that after we got that technical base down, there were no problems there. It's one more month to polish everything up and get it really great. And that's why it was two months. As I for, can't wait for that day one patch to come out whenever they release the game and watch him fucking have to eat those words because of this three gigabyte day one patch all the same. As for what specifically the team is working on, Tobias said the game is basically complete, but needs extra polish due to the sheer amount of content included. The main thing there is working on fixing the bugs which affect the visuals of the game, polishing that up and doing the final optimization push. The other thing, I think we can get much closer to that perfect game balance in the final balancing period as well, to make it a game that's really fun and easy and comfortable to play for any kind of player. If you keep putting more volume and more content into the game, with that comes a load of extra debugging and polishing and optimization periods. So we're really concentrating on getting the volume and content we have at the moment, getting that really solid and really perfect for the final game. So that's where we're at. All right, wait a minute. The man says six or seven weeks before the game's supposed to come out. The game's basically complete and they're still balancing it. Seven weeks before the game comes out, that's what you're doing. You're the game's supposed to be finished at that point, pretty much just done. You might be able to tweak things and get a day one patch going, but the way they talk about this game has me so incredibly skeptical and it's getting a little, it's It's getting ridiculous. It's, like, it's, it's actually getting like totally absurd now. You're, you know, Colin, you have this JRPG expertise. I have final fantasy disease according to Tabata. Go ahead. And you know so much about it. You always keep saying that when you look at, you talk about this game, it'll be no less than good. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to think it's going to struggle to be good. It's possible. I, I still I still stand by that. It's going to be probably good. I just think that it's going to be super underwhelming. I can't get over how. Oh, I don't even know like where to be like where to begin with everything I've seen with this game. Now, now people have pointed out and it's true that it's previewing well at Gamescom. You better fucking hope so, considering the way it was shown at E3. You better fucking hope they had their shit together to be able to get a demo going for Gamescom to get people excited about this. That was at Xbox, right, where they came out? And yeah, really oh my god. It was, the, was one of the, it was, it was one of the worst definitely, things. It was a really, really bad That was one of the worst things I'd ever seen in an E3 conference. I, any, that E3 is conference. absolutely not true. For it a was demo? Bad. For a game, I've never, I, I can't even, definitely. I can't even think of a gameplay demo with the exception of anything that has, like, maybe with the Wii, Wii when music? they did Sky, uh, yeah, Wii music up there. Skyward Sword didn't work. A demo the 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 giant enemy crab thing. There's a lot, Colin. <laughs> Playable demos. The yeah, the, the giant enemy crab thing was we that was just weird. The we, the Wii music thing and the Skyward Sword thing were both bad. And the the only other thing that I can think about is is stuff with PlayStation Move and PlayStation VR where things don't work, like Wonderbook, for instance. Yeah. But that's like in that echelon. That was an awful fucking demo. I've been to, I've been to ten E3s and I've seen way more than that. And that one I will I will always remember that demo because I was like, what the fuck is like. How can you possibly think that this was an acceptable thing to show? What's wrong with you guys? Like it, to me, like I would be so mad at that team at this point if I was like in the executive, if I was in the executive ranks at, at there, I'd be like, you guys are fucking, you guys seem incompetent to be perfectly honest with you. You know, like how long is this saga gonna have to go on until people get their goddamn game? You know, like how is as a decade not long enough to deliver the game? I was fucking, I was a, I was a junior in college when it was announced. I am thirty one. You know. Like, 
release the goddamn game already. It's it's becoming like a joke, and and people will find it because I, mean, I did joke, joke around after the, I did I did joke around after that was wasn't going to come out. Like I remember saying it, and that's why when I saw the date, I'm like, well, I'm surprised you didn't just delay it six months because clearly it needs like all this like. But at the same time, you have to shit or get off the pot. They don't want to lose holiday sales and all that kind of stuff. That said, like, the, the sad thing is that a Final Fantasy game should be better than good. It's a Final Fantasy game. And yeah, maybe I do have Final Fantasy these because I expect something good. And we haven't gotten a fucking great Final Fantasy game in years, years and years. The last time we got a, a great Final Fantasy game. I was a kid when we got a, like a, a truly, in my mind, a truly great. The last time, in my opinion, that and, and I know people disagree that we had a fantastic Final Fantasy game was Final Fantasy 9. You know, yeah. and and... That's a long time ago. I was in high school. And yeah, some people, you know, a lot of people like 10, some people like 12 for some reason, and then 13. Like, <laughs> people like 12. A lot of people really like 12. For 12 is the tale of two games. So to me, it's a situation. It's becoming, this is becoming probably embarrassing for them. And they better hope this game's fucking awesome. Because if it's anything less than that, people are going to be, people are just going to eat this game alive. And, I'm going to play it. I'm, I'm curious about it. I think the mechanics look interesting. I think the world looks interesting. That, that Those characters look awful. I, I have to... I was watching, like, video and, and reading about it. Like, just... I'm like, man, I don't know what they're thinking about with, like, these characters. But nonetheless, the hunt system looks cool and all that. Like, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into it and, and try it out. I just feel like that excuse seems to be a cop-out excuse. Total nonsense. All, like, I can't ima- imagine that many PS4s and Xbox Ones are not connected to the internet. In some respect. Well, I mean, that, that excuse functional. doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make again, any sense The day at all. one patch is going to be huge for this fucking Yeah, game. and they're going to have a day one patch anyway. That's yep, going to yeah, be just yep. iterative and different than the day one patch that they're going to have. It's just like the game obviously isn't up to snuff. And it and it, and it it plays out these rumors you've been hearing about this game. Anecdotal and, and secondary and tertiary as they are, because I haven't heard them directly. I'm just reading about them. Um, that the game is like kind of fucked up. And, and I, I don't know if it's true or not. But when you see things like this... Because to your point, when you guys, it's not even that you guys hosted it. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like when they went to the shrine and, and auditorium and, and announced that date, that was the drop dead date. They yeah. probably obsessed over that date. They probably got all their ducks in a row, 8,000 different ways to make sure that they're going to hit that date. And it's still, they still missed it. That tells you everything you need to know about this game's production and the way this game's being run. And the bigger thing is you have better have major fucking concerns about Kingdom Hearts 3 and you better have major fucking concerns about Final Fantasy 7 Remake because the same producer and director and executive and, and, and executive teams are overseeing all these games. Even though CyberConnect is making Final Fantasy 7, like how you can how anyone can have any faith in their Japanese output at this point at the AAA level, as I talked about, I think on PS I Love You or on Colin and Greg at some point is beyond me. It's 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 and like I said, props to Square Enix for investing wisely a decade or so ago in a lot of Western studios because that's the shit that actually matters to them now. You know, this this other stuff, you know, dicking around with Dragon Quest X and doing all this kind of like, you know, and Final Fantasy 15 and the saga Final Fantasy 15. It, as a Final Fantasy fan and as a Dragon Quest fan, it makes me sad. Like Squaresoft back in the day was like, like they were like hero status to me. I loved them. And I'm kind of disappointed in the way this is being, being handled. It's just ridiculous. It's the latest thing you're always talking about, right? And the not fall, but like what Square Enix is now based on what they were before, especially the Japanese branch of it. I don't have that affinity, but you do in terms of I, what dude, you I, thought they were. I wouldn't and how even they be went. here without Squaresoft, you know, like not even a prayer of me being here without Squaresoft and, and the games and the, and the influence that they had on me. The thing is that I know a lot of people care about this game and I want it to authentically be good. Like I said before, like I don't really get off on fucking on shitting on games or hoping games are bad because I hope all games are good. I just have to call it like I see it. This game is tortured. Whether or not it turns out good or bad, I don't know. I think it's going to turn out fine. 
But I yeah. don't think fine is going to be good enough. I'm worried, and I'm only worried because I want it to be so good. It's like I, I really, it's not just like I want all games to be good. I want this game to be good. I want this game to be awesome. I, it's not just like that. That I remember when this game was announced. I remember being so excited when this game was announced. This game meant so much to me. I bought a PS3 for this game, you know. And that's the thing that's like I'm okay with it. Like it's I was so excited about this game for so long that I'm like I don't care. Like uh, it didn't happen, and there's all this stuff. As far as I'm concerned, this game hasn't been in development for a decade it's been in development for the last couple years that what this game is is not the game that we saw back then at all the game we saw back then was in the 13 world and they totally gave up on that went a totally different direction and then created a whole other 13 world and that's a whole other thing but with this the whole the boy band car road trip thing i'm super sold on that i'd love that type of shit so i'm like all right cool just give me an interesting battle system give me give me something that is fun and that's the thing that i'm a little bit worried about cuz the demos i've played so far the um i don't know how to say it but the dream sequence the, no no the one before that before the, that was the platinum demo oh yeah. Deuce or whatever the Deuce or whatever uh it it was good I enjoyed yeah, it. it. I had a lot of fun with it. It surprised me how much I liked it because I was way worried about that. Um, but the battle system, it felt like it needed a little bit of work. We've seen them do a lot of work. It Then they put out the Platinum demo. And honestly, I didn't like that. Like, I thought it was way too slow, you way too effortless, like where you're just doing things and there wasn't a lot of thought put into it, which is the opposite of what I enjoy about Final Fantasy games. I love the battle systems to keep me on my toes and not just have me constantly doing the same thing over and over. I want to have to switch between things. I get early on in the game, RPGs, you're gonna just keep hitting attack and that's all that matters. But I want more from that and I feel like, I remember playing a demo of Final Fantasy VII. I remember playing the demo of Final Fantasy X-2. I remember all that stuff and even then there was still challenge in the demo. Yeah. Playing the demo of this, there wasn't any challenge I remember the Final Fantasy X demo being challenging. The, yeah, the well, the, they put you pretty far—not far into the game, but maybe almost not a third, somewhere around there. Yeah, I, I, I remember that. I remember that well because I remember dying, which I thought was weird. And that's uh, cool, though. Yeah, there's no way you could have died in, and, in the platinum demo. And here's the other thing about it, and I, I, I don't want to pick on these guys. I mean, I, I'm sure that they're trying, and I, it's not a personal thing. It's just stop. Like, what's with the fucking demos anyway? Just go away. You know, like I, I don't, I don't like just finish the goddamn game. Like yeah. I, I don't, I just don't understand. You don't have the luxury of releasing these demos when people have been waiting the, for these games for that long and tweaking things. Just, you know what? You got to go with your gut and finish the goddamn game already. Yeah. And and I, I like the the scary thing, Tim. The scary thing is, is I don't even believe this next release date. That's that's the scariest thing of all. I'm like I don't, I don't know. No, I, I, mean, I just that, don't. I just don't even believe them. I, I believe it when it's in my goddamn console. I would have sworn on September 30th date. You know, it's just like was, again, they made such a big deal. They were out so of it. confident. I mean, yeah. behind closed doors with us they talking about it. So this excited. Is the day. Ha ha ha. And that's the thing is, it sucks. Like personally, having met these people and knowing these people, it's just like you know they they believe in this. And I know that there's nobody that's more upset about this than them. We understand this. We make content. We don't get things done by the time we say it's so upsetting to us. And I understand that. And we feel like. I fucking hate you. I feel see, that, but see, that's a perfect example. All these people say all these other things. The person himself, now here he's saying it, but there's the problem of translation and all this other stuff. At least for me, there's not translation issues. You know, we well, so, say hell a lot, and I gotta try to tell people what that means. No, people know what that means, Greg. And if they don't, fuck them. Whoa! Yeah. So Final Fantasy 15, I my biggest concern with it right now is that it is being pulled in two completely different directions. I am only seeing two opinions on it. The people are like, it's been tortured. It's been de delayed so many times. It's been this, this, and this. Like, there's no chance it'll be good or whatever. It's like, all right, cool. You've already made your decision. And then there's the people that are like, it looks awesome. This game is awesome. I'm going to love this game. I've loved everything. And I'm like, did you play the Platinum demo? 
are you really saying that right now? Because I don't trust you anymore if you say that. <laughs> and then it's like, so then there's somewhere in the middle where I'm like, all right, but what about me? Am I going to like this? You know, I do want to like it. I am going to give it the benefit of the doubt. And to be completely real, there's so much shit that for me, they are nailing the soundtrack, the visual look of it. I do like the characters. I do like the story that we've seen beyond just the basic thing of, oh, it's guys in a car. It's like hearing about the story of the with the kings and the stuff and a lot of the stuff that we got um, as I prep for when we were presenting and stuff. I'm like, this is interesting. This yeah. is cool. This is Final Fantasy. No, that was the whole Great. thing. I mean, I've talked about it, right? Like, I'm not a Final Fantasy guy, and that's why they wanted me and you for that thing because we uh, were the spectrum. And like, when you sit there and talk about the story, like, yeah, I mean, they all look like a J pop band, but I like the idea of they're on this road trip and he's out for this girl and this is what's happening. When I see the trailer and there's like, <laughs> cloud gods and a baby i'm like i don't know what the fuck's happening but like that part sounds cool and a road trip sounds cool and that's something i can connect with and wrap my head around yeah i hope the battle system's fun i like the visual style of it but as this continues to go on you're just yeah. like left to go well what the fuck's happening and you know reading through thread upon thread upon thread on uh neo gaff and game facts and all this stuff about the the gamescom um demo that people got to play i it, it confuses me because there was conflicting reports. There's so many people that are like, oh, did you see that whole thing about the screenshots that were leaked that looked like a PS2 game and they were horrible and there was a whole thing of like, is that real? Are, is people, are people trying to make this game look bad? Meanwhile, there's other threads that are like, nothing but praise and being yeah, like, I've oh heard man, a, I've surprisingly, heard, it's really good. I've heard a lot of praise for the game coming out of Gamescom and I trust that. That's what I keep saying is like, no matter how hard, I'm, I'm hard not necessarily on the game itself. I'm hard on this cycle this inexcusable cycle for this game yeah the game is different but the project's the same right like i don't even understand how this turned into final fantasy 15 or what they were even thinking with this anyway like they should if they just canceled it and didn't say anything and then just were like we're gonna I don't know, you know fuck around and bring this up no one even have anything to say at this point because it wouldn't be nearly as funny that this it's taken this long and nearly as sad frankly you know like they got a shit or get off the pot with this game yeah. and the, and the thing that bothered me the most is not necessarily the delay because listen a delay I can't think of a single game that was bad because it worse off for being delayed I, I can't think of one like a, a, a delaying a game is typically good um, for the game maybe not for us as consumers or for us as enthusiasts and excited people but that excuse is bullshit and and like I've never heard of an excuse like that in 2016 of saying like the con the console you all connect to the internet uh and download patches for every one of your games. We're concerned that some of you, what is it, like a microscopic amount of people, like a minute amount of people that don't connect the PS4, the Xbox One to, to, to the internet, you're worried about them? Really? It's such a bad excuse. Yeah. Just say you need more time. Like, and, or, you know, just, that was the thing that got me the most. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're fair, worried about the patch not being able to be downloaded? And again, like this sucks because like it really just sounds like I'm defending him just to defend him. But with this, it's like, the only reason this exists is because Andrew Goldfarb, or whoever, it says IGN, I'm assuming it's Andrew Goldfarb, uh, like pressured him into it. It was just like, so why is it delayed? Then he gave an answer, and now here it is on record, you know? Whereas maybe it is all those things, you know? This is just what he said, and that's, that's how that works, and that is his fault. He shouldn't have said this, you know? But yeah, it's and, it's, like, and it's up to the PR to, to spin a better, better narrative. Spin that shit. And I think that, you know, not that that's what we want as, as on our side, but that's their job. And I, first of all, I wouldn't have let him take any interviews at all after that delay announcement. I think that was a, that's a huge mistake. And because people are obviously going to have aggressive questioning, a line of questioning for I would too. your readers or your, your viewers, no, or your yeah. fans want answers and you're going to find them. Um, but for, this just raises questions about the entire project in terms of the way it's been managed the entire time. And um, yeah, I might have Final Fantasy disease 
uh, as he could put it, because I have fucking expectations. And I really, I really, for, for the sake of, you know, Final Fantasy fans everywhere, fans like you that are really ex super excited about this game, and for people like me that just want to play good games, I, ho I, I hope I am blown away. I hope this game is game of the year. I really do. You know, and everyone can tell me I was wrong and everyone else was wrong about the game. I hope that I, I hope it's great. I hope it's phenomenal. But I don't know how you can possibly think that that's going to be the case either. Yeah. But I do not. But I do not think the game's going to be any worse than good. See, I think that's the, I think that's the more likely scenario is that people are going to tell you you're wrong because it's not going to be good. That's that's going to be sad. That's going to be that's going to be the, an unfortunate culmination of a project that the saddest that thing for me is that for. I'm never going to get to play Final Fantasy versus 13. And like that sucks because that is what I want so badly. Like I, I can even see in my head now, not even just the first trailer, the second trailer, the third trailer, the ones they showed at TGS, like the that Stella character, the girl that they had. Like, it's like I wanted their story. Now she's not even in it. Now it's someone that kind of looks like her. And it's like it is weird where they, they had all of this stuff and they're like, all right, we're going to take kind of bits and pieces and change things. And I get it. I haven't played it yet. So what am I? I'm judging all this based on trailers. I am judging it based on trailers. They showed me, you know, so it's yeah. like. Yeah, it's been a long decade, right? <laughs> it's just, I, it's just, it's just, say that, it's just an incredible, it's just an incredible saga that's about you know even if it's not in September, obviously it's going to be in November, or maybe, maybe not. Uh, it is going to come to an end, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see. And I hope I put it in my PS4, and it's 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 fantastic and and more than worth the wait. But you know, I'm not, I'm not like hopeful. That's all that I want. I don't give a fuck if it's perfect. I just want to like it, <laughs> please. Topic three. It's going in a, a bit more positive of a direction, although there, there's some negativity here as well. Yasir Madauer from over on Patreon. He asked, what are some of your favorite and least favorite video game endings from a story, gameplay, emotional perspective, whatever you want, all console generation. So this is a, he submitted his topic via patreon.com yes. slash kind of funny games. Gosh, just making sure. Thank you for your support. So the best and worst video game endings. Mm -hmm. Huh? Huh? What comes to mind when you think that? Because I definitely Persia, got some. The Prince of Persia remake. Sands of Time? No, 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 no. The Prince of Persia remake, the Nolan North one, where it ended, and you're like, what oh. the fuck is this? And then they're like, the real ending's DLC, and give us your money. And we're like, fuck you. You can go to hell. That's interesting. So when I say what video game ending's best or worst, worst comes to mind yeah. for you. Huh. I think it's hard to nail a video game ending. I think it's Man. it's a lot like a horror movie in a lot of ways, where you, this is such a great ride, it's such a great ride, and then you get to the ending, and it's like... Okay, I mean, a good one that I think of, right, is the end of Metal Gear Solid, having that conversation either with Meryl or Hal or whatever, and then getting on the snowmobile and going, and the credits roll, and then there's this thing. But even that's like... It is like, weird with Hal, though. Exactly, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it is that thing of, even then, it's like... yeah, I, 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 Video games for me, right, when we talk about endings, how many video games have you finished where you have that final boss battle, and you're so fucking frustrated? I can't think of the amount of times I've been like, I'm so glad they saved the most annoying mechanic for last. I've had so much fun this entire ride, and now I'm fucking frustrated and mad about this. And then I get a cutscene at the end that ends awkwardly and we roll. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just mm -hmm. like, that's how you want to end this 10, 8, 9, whatever hour experience. Uncharted 4, great ending. All great, the Uncharted great. games have great, great oh, yeah. endings, but Uncharted 4, of course, four is like a cap on the entire thing. That's got to stand out. Yeah, for me, so when I, when I read this question, there's two that jumped to mind immediately. That's Journey and Final Fantasy X. Yeah. Uh, for very different reasons. Journey, because it was an emotional experience that the entire time I was keenly aware of how I was feeling, and I didn't expect that ending. Like It just hit me where I was like, fuck. Like, I care 
somehow way more than I even thought I did playing mm, this. Mm. And it, it put perspective on the entire thing. Final Fantasy X was different in that the story kept progressing and there's all there's these characters that I, I really enjoyed and um, you kind of grew with them and there's like a lot of journeys and stuff going on. But at the end, from a gameplay mechanic, the boss fight felt very rewarding to me from a gameplay perspective, but also from a story perspective where fighting against Titus's dad and all this stuff and then having to fight all the, the aeons and summons that you, you had, there's something about that that is, yeah, it's kind of you know cliche to have to fight your, your shadow version or yeah. whatever, but it's satisfying to me. And I, I remember doing that and just being like, man, like it, killing each one off kind of like hit me. Like I felt it inside where I'm like, those are my dudes. My dude. I'm killing my dudes. But I had to, you know? Sure. And I, I like that I had to, not just from a gameplay perspective, because it's like, oh, that'd be that's a fun thing to fight these these big monsters that were on your side. But also from the story perspective of that all it all added up with Eunice's journey, with Titus's journey, the whole thing. And then for it to end and all dream sequence and like their love story kind of coming to an end. It was very powerful to me, and like I remember it. And the music and the the cinematography that, that it added up in a way that was very unique for a video game in two thousand one or whatever it was that it came out. Um, and there've been so many Final Fantasies before it. For me, Final Fantasy ten was my first Final Fantasy, so I didn't play seven or six or any of the ones till after. But even going back to them, they're cinematic in their own way. But Final Fantasy ten um, having the voice acting for better or worse or whatever back then it was awesome like back then sure. to me it was just like they're talking that's really really cool and interesting and i it makes you look at them and feel it feels more like a movie when these people are talking to you instead of just oh, over course, yeah. and over again you know and uh yeah that i i think about like i can hear that song in my head right now just thinking about the ending. I hear it playing and anytime I have it on my iPod come on, I can visualize it well, that's, instantly. That's the thing when a, a game ending nails it and that's it'll stick with you for so long. I'm pulling out my well, from last episode, right? Our seven fave games, right? Obviously Mario Kart doesn't have an ending, but like Peace Walker yeah, it does. The big fish coming up. You're standing on the the things with the gold the Okay, thank you. You're, you're hilarious. Confetti. You wouldn't know what it's like to win though. Seeing as how you never win the kind of funny Nintendo World Championship. <sighs> But Peace Walker's ending, right? Like, mm. yeah, I vaguely remember talking to the boss's AI core, but it wasn't like powerful. Super Mario World, I assume I'd be Bowser. I don't really remember how it ends because it was all about finding secrets and doing all these different things. Ocarina of Time, amazing ending. That one sticks with me. The final fight with Ganon, the, and then going back to yep. you know being little baby Link and going on to do that one. Uh, Uncharted, we've covered. Gone Home, obviously a super powerful yeah. ending, especially because the game, like we talked about, spoilers lulled us into thinking it was going to be this horror movie horror movie kind of game then it's not it's about this love story oh my gosh how grazing and then it's that whole go to the attic and it's like oh fuck and i'll never forget going up the stairs like oh, i'm gonna find her dead fucking body they had some kind of what the hell's going on uh infamous great ending mario kart doesn't have an ending but it's like video game endings are so hard in it infamous i feel has a great ending right i love the whole thing with trish whether how it's gonna go and then going in finding out about kessler nailed it infamous 2's ending no, then like yeah. Nix and the Co, Co, or Co, Co, Nix and Quo. That didn't work out. So Snake Eater is what uh, um, uh, Kevin's whispering off screen. Yeah. yeah. That's a great ending. I mean, so th that's my thing is what with Metal Gear. I mean, Metal Gear has consistently had uh, endings that are very powerful, you know, for. Metal Gear like, I, I think that they. Two sucked. 
But but that's the thing. It's it's medical. Well, I'm gonna too break my chains and jump in the water. And was it real or not? Is she really pregnant, Jack? I'll see you later. We're just fucking in skin tight suits in the middle of Wall Street or whatever. What the hell's going on? But I think that that that's cool. In that you know you say video game endings are hard to nail. Endings in anything are hard to nail, whether it's a book or a movie or whatever. Because you don't really have, you don't it. really have too many options. It's either a cliffhanger or it's something that wraps up everything totally nicely, or it's something that leaves things open to interpretation. And I think that with uh, Metal Gear Solid 2, it was that third option where it's just like, what the fuck is happening? And then when, especially when you pass the credits and there's the the whole uh, They have uh, no idea it's you. In on things yeah. and all this stuff's happening. It's like, it makes you ask a lot of questions, right? And it yeah, somehow doesn't feel cliffhanger. It felt like that was the end. Things are open, but it wasn't so much a cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, Metal Gear Solid 3, that was just like a perfect, the story is done and my God was that powerful. So make so good. So the, the the scene of with boss is just like yeah, the pedals in the air. My fucking god, it's so good. And then yeah. for me, Metal Gear Solid Four is that the fourth style of ending, which is just the Stop. fan service ending, <laughs> end, <laughs> which just keeps keeps giving people what they want, you know. Yeah. And honestly, that game gets so much shit for doing that. But I will never forget how excited I was when the credits are rolling and all of a sudden you see Big Boss's name go by with some random ass voice actor and it just keeps going and it goes ring and it pops back up. I was like, what the fuck? He was in this game. And then bam, the cutscene starts and then things went off the rails. But that moment to me was like, I, it reminded me of Uncharted 4 in the sense of they were doing this for me knowing that I played the other games, knowing that I loved the entire journey and that I wanted to have an end cap on everybody, you know? And there it was. So shout out to the last of us. What else do I got on here? Crisis core Final Fantasy seven. I think Final Fantasy seven's end was it's all right. Overall. Yeah. Um, the emotional the impact boss, of that is in the middle of the game. Not exactly. The, the from the, the final boss fight. Obviously, I think Sephiroth was awesome and using the limit break and mm -hmm. all that was very, very memorable. But uh, crisis core, I think, did a really good job of giving emotion to why we love Final Fantasy VII so much and yeah, why Crisis we, Core was we a love sad this game. game. It was, you yeah, know, and really especially was. the end, like the with Cloud and Zack together and like the, you know, gunshots and then all the memories and all the stuff. It's just like, man, like they really nailed the what people care about these characters in a way that I think I think people remember Final Fantasy VII in a different way than it actually was uh, in terms of the, the characters and they kind of added a lot to it, which is great. That's proved how good that game is in terms of giving you um, the clay to play with and to kind of have in your head. Uh, but Crisis Core was the first good thing to come post. Yeah, um, after Dirge of Cerberus and all yeah, that. Yeah, right, which was, you know, whatever. People, Edwin Children's hit or miss. But Crisis Core was good. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, so to me, I think a lot of game endings are underwhelming or just kind of exist. I, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't, um, there are very few endings I think of where I'm like, that was, that was a great ending. What a great payoff because the payoff is in playing the game and enjoying the game and, and the journey. So um, the, I, I think the last of us ending was cool because it was frustrating. I think that it, it gave you like an inch. It wasn't frustrating because it sucked. It was frustrating because it was just frustrating um, to me anyway. Uh, and that's what I liked. I actually think infamous is two infamous two's ending was really good. Um, especially when, well, I don't, well, I guess you can spoil it. You die. You know, like I, and I think that, that's cool, and that's a kind of a bold thing to do to to, to kill your protagonist. Um, at least if you played it a certain way. Spec Ops: The Lines endings are are really good. The, the, the culmination of the delusions that he experiences throughout the entire game is is you know that's such a powerful that from a narrative standpoint that game is one of the most powerful games I've ever played for sure. Um, 
but again, like I just don't. I when I think of game endings, I mean I've beaten a million games. It's just like I don't know. Like I I find that the the narrative drive of a lot of these games with it when you're playing it to be way more interesting than you know than the the ending most 100%. of the time. And I also feel like to Greg's point, I think it's true. Like there are times where I'm just like I just need to be done with this. Like I don't want to play this game anymore. Whether or not whether it was frustrating me or whether I've spent 40 hours with it and I just want to be done with it like you just want to get to the end and be like okay it's over um Nino Cooney's ending was really good though there 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 are certain there are certain games that have good great good or great endings I'm not saying that there aren't I'm just saying it's not I don't think it's important it's not important like it is in film it's not important like it is in a book because you're since you're interacting with it the entire time it's really about the like the ending is almost the sad part there I I I remember I remember more feeling a profound sense of sadness from finishing a good game because it's over, not because of what I'm seeing or that like something emotional or resonant happens at the ending. It's like the game's over. That sucks. It's like when you finish a good book. Yeah. So Walking Dead season one I think has a great ending. Yeah, um, yeah, that does. Uh, but a great example I think is because I've we've gotten slapped on the wrist before and I won't spoil it here but uh, in Persona 4 Golden right game I recommend up and down every time somebody asks about Vita and I forget what it was on some PS I Love You or something to that effect I spoiled who the killer was and this guy wrote and he was so mad I'm like dude that like when I think of Persona 4 who the fucking killer is is like the least of my concerns in that game it's about the relationships and this and getting this quest done and who am I going to fall in love with and how does this work it's about the interplay of all these relationships and the whole who is doing this weird supernatural throw people in the TV world killing is not on the radar of like what you need to play this game for this whole murder mystery no nobody fucking cares about that Mm. Halo 2 when I think about disappointing endings Mm -hmm. because that was a cliffhanger ending that we didn't expect you know we wanted that game to have a complete feeling to it and halo one did halo one was such a satisfying standalone experience and again the end from a gameplay and story perspective matched up so well that final like games endings are hard from a gameplay perspective because there's a lot of times they throw gameplay mechanics at you that you haven't had to do the rest of the game so it's frustrating to all of a sudden have to do this different thing but every once in a while it's fun it's things that make sense i think that um Halo's like Warthog race out of the the, um, the thing blowing up is very similar to like Super Metroid when there's those escape sequences where it's like whether or not that's the gameplay of the whole game, it feels right. It feels right from the story perspective enough that I'm like, all right, I can I can put these two together. But Halo Two just straight up ends, and it's just like you're you're about to get to the the good part, like, and that's the problem is they didn't give you the good part. Um, I feel like the games need to give you that, and I think that's what a lot of the other games that I've mentioned did is that they give you that that the fun stuff is the the journey but then they also have this like end cap on it if you like bust your load too quick but don't have that thing you're you're not really giving people the satisfaction that they're they're looking for you mentioned prince of persia earlier the sands of time was awesome i loved the because playing that from a gameplay perspective was so fun throughout the whole game the final boss i don't know it was probably horrible i don't remember at all but from a story perspective wrapped it up perfectly the characters were right and the characters had a good ending and that's what mattered to me there um, from gameplay twist perspective, things like Braid were so out of left field that I'm like, man, this is special. This is awesome. Portal. Holy shit, Portal. That's a game I absolutely loved purely for the gameplay. Then all of a sudden at the end, I'm like, huh, there's a story that I didn't even realize was happening and it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Portal yeah. hunting is cool. The For a bad ending, the one that always sticks out to me is Resistance 3. Um, uh, it, the entire series happened without ever seeing the bad guys. That was like the, that was like what I walked away from. I remember uh, what a great game. Resistance Three is a fucking awesome game, but the ending, I'm like, really? You never even see the Chimera once. 
You know, like like the real chimera. Yeah, yeah. The, the, everybody and, you see is an infected person. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, come on, like. I was. I remember being so disappointed. I'm like, I, I was actually unusually invested in that series, and and I was like, there's no payoff at all. But but the journey was fun. I don't mm. regret playing them. I think they were great games. Special Resistance Three is a fantastic game. So I don't know. Endings. Yeah. The the last one I want to talk about is, and unsurprisingly, is Pokemon, uh, specifically the original ones, because I think that the game had such a good progression in terms of going through the, the gym battles that once you got to the Elite Four, you felt like a fucking badass. Um, so getting through them and then fighting your rival, it just it. It felt so right. And I, I remember being a little kid and uh, your Pokemon get one by one put in the Hall of Fame. And I felt a connection to those guys. And I was just like, fuck yeah, those are my dudes. And they are now in this Hall of Fame. That's and cool. It's just like, I remember seeing the credits and like not wanting to turn my game off. I knew that I couldn't save after or whatever and continue in a way that, that meant anything. Um, but I was just like, I I earned these credits. You know, and I don't, there's not too many games that I, I'm like, I'm going to not skip this because I feel like I need to watch it. I didn't expect anything after or no post credit scene. This was a long time ago. <laughs> uh, I just was like, no, like I want to see it say the end, you know? So that's the end of that topic. Ah, that's the end of the topic. Ladies and gentlemen, topic four, as always brought to you. You beautiful bastards. You can go to kind of slash gamescast topic and leave a topic. Just like your boy. Maximum Cortez did. Oh, Andy from Rooster Teeth, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who made the intro to the Kind of Funny Games cast, yes. along with Grandma's and Legend. And he did the art there. No. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and again, shout out to the art in the back by Oriodo. Go check him out. Andy Cortez, he actually tweeted this one. He said, hey, I haven't publicly said this, but I can no longer stay silent. I'm very worried about Mass Effect Andromeda. Why? So I think this is a good question. Should we be worried about Mass Effect Andromeda? Hell no. no. I think that I think that they probably wanted to have it out this year, but I also think maybe even earlier, but I think that they've been really cagey and weird about it to the to a smart degree where they were like, we never really showed you anything. And we never really dedicated ourselves to a date. We never so it's your own expectations. Y'all read into us coming out at E3 and showing concept art and talking about the fact that we were making this and we we're going to show you new Which was a mistake, things. right? But I think mm -hmm. based on the original timeline of what they wanted to get the game out, I'm not concerned about it at all. I bet you Mass Effect and Drama is going to be awesome. Like, I, I agree. I, I, and and uh, what about the original Mass Effect trilogy lets you indicate that you have anything to worry about with this game? I mean, maybe you didn't like the ending or whatever, but I'm like, and I'm so point. stoked about Andromeda. Of I don't not liking the ending, I think gives that, it, uh, they definitely got that message loud and clear. So, yeah. I mean, they're going to come at this one in a way that I think is going to, all right, your choices, me, uh, I can already, I mean, that's the marketing push when they get there, right? New world, new aliens, and your choices mean more than ever. And they will carry on through this trilogy or whatever they want to call this thing. This is going to be, all the things we've learned from Mass Effect and Dragon Age put into one game, we're giving you the best mm -hmm. RPG we can. Yeah, I've heard people say this, but I'm not concerned about it. Yeah, I mean, I see. I think a lot of people say it because we've seen two E3s where it's discussed or shown in, in some fashion, and it's the, the bad sign of the first one has more to show than the second one. You know, so I think that's where, where a lot of it's coming sure. from. Where, where do you guys see more information for this coming out? Because they E3. did say E3? Yeah, I think you'll, I think you'll get a date at E3. Didn't at a at E3 this year they say something about more information? Yeah, later this year. Later this year. But I think I think it's probably a fall 2017 game, and so you'd assume that you drop a teaser trailer yeah. at Game Awards come December, mm. and then you go out from there. I always forget about the Game Awards. Can't forget about the Game they Awards. Come with the what up, Jeff Keighley? Trending Gamer of the Year. Take your time. We'll I mean, see. like that's a game like that's you know it's not it's not gotten to the level of near anywhere near being absurd. So in a yeah. completely unprecedented move. Andy Cortez just texted me and he says, 
I'm worried about the studio turmoil. Mm. I don't know much about what's going on. What, a Bioware Edmonton? Or no, Montreal's know. making it, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on. What, because people left? Because Casey calling, left? I'm going to call Andy Cortez. Casey left a while I'm gonna let Yeah, Andy, I know, exactly. Andy Cortez, you me. know all about studio turmoil because I hear you're starting shit at Rooster Teeth left and right. That's right. I heard him and Barb don't like each other. Just something I heard. Everybody tweet it. Put it on the Rooster Teeth Reddit. Tweet it at Bernie. Way to blow it, Andy. I, I hate this game. Andy, my dude. You were live on the Kind of Funny Games cast. Uh, I want you to talk to Colin and Greg. What are your, your worries with Mass Effect Andromeda? Okay, yeah. So Aaron Flynn, who I guess runs whatever studio it is there that's doing Mass Effect, they've mentioned that there's been like, that it hasn't necessarily been the easiest process. And I know that some, it kind of reminded me of what was going on with Uncharted 4. Obviously that didn't matter because that game was fucking awesome, but there's just been a lot of people in and out sort of coming and going and Aaron Flynn kind of said, yeah, it hasn't been easy, but we're, we're sort of roughing through it. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I think, I, I don't know. It sounds to me like so, maybe a smart thing to say uh, to kind of explain, like, well, it's been a long with It's hard to make a game, and we know you want it, and it's not easy, and we're working the best we can. See, Andy, they're making real games over there, unlike the stuff you make at Rooster Teeth. So they have a lot of problems okay, they have to you, go through and things. They have, they have expectations. People care about it. You know how it goes. <laughs> Straight up hung up. <laughs> I love you, Andy. I love you so I, much. Oh, I, 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 once, I, once, I once shared a, a, a cab with uh, Aaron Flynn. And super, How did that happen? Super interesting, dude. Uh, I was, I don't know where I was. Where was I? Vegas. Yes. I think so. I think that's exactly where I was. Morton Steakhouse in Vegas. Yes. How do you know that? I don't. These are guesses. These are legitimate guesses. No, it was at, it wasn't Morton Steakhouse. It was, I was out at dinner in Vegas. Okay. Because uh, I wouldn't go to Morton Steakhouse in Vegas. Maybe in LA. I would go to Morton's Steakhouse. Why wouldn't you go to Morton's in Vegas? There's better steakhouses in Vegas. There's so, better steakhouses in Los Angeles. San Diego has the, the, good, the good steakhouse. Like, there's good steakhouses everywhere. Gaucho's up in Seattle. Whatever. Gaucho? But uh, I shared a cab with him, and he's a super interesting dude. Like, we talked for a long time. I was super, Were you at dinner with him? No, no. We, I had run into him at some somewhere at some point, and uh, we just got to talking. You sure you're not about Eric Hart from IGN? I think I'm positive. I'm t- we, shared, <laughs> we, we, shared a, we shared a cab, and, and uh, this was, I don't know, four or five years ago. Super interesting, super friendly dude. Um, I believe in Bioware, and uh, yeah, different different leadership now. In some respect, with Casey Hudson being gone, and uh, different team, uh, different studio. I think working on. It. I don't think Edmonton is working on it at all. So, um, I believe in it until there's until otherwise. Like I, I, I think you'll get. I thought the game would be out this year, but it's clearly not. So I think that next year is like almost a guarantee. So speaking of Mass Effect, this reminded me of a journey I once went on. I've never told this story. Oh on my this god! Show. So I'm going to tell it right now. Okay, Colin, do you do you know my history with the Mass Effect franchise? Mm. Goes a little something like this: a game called Mass Effect Three was coming out, and it was weeks away from release. So they were like, "You know what? We're going to do. We need some promotion for this. So we're going to send some copies of this motherfucker to space because that's thematically relevant." I remember this. So they attached copies of Mass Effect Three to weather balloons and sent about. I remember this, up, and you and you had there. to go and find. You were sent to find one. So. So my thing was, I heard they were doing this, and I heard one was happening in San Francisco, and I was like, called him Kevin. I was like, Kevin. Big big dog Kev. Kevin, what do you know he about wind? He was a little wind? dog back then. What do you know about wind? Was the quote. 
that I that I said. He was like, I I, I know a fair amount about wind. And I was like, okay, he good. blows it out his ass. And I was all like, the what time. do you know about weather balloons? And if one was launched in SF, could we find it and track it? And he's just like, I think we could find a way. And I was like, I love you, Kevin. We're doing this thing. So of course, I hit up my boy Alfredo. I'm like, yo, we're in this. However, I was interning at the time at IGN. Alfredo not related to IGN at all. He just hung out all the time, and everyone thought he worked there. It's the best kept secret of IGN. Alfredo didn't actually work there for a long time. So we're there, and we ask our, our manager for permission to go, that manager being Nick Scarpino. And I'm like, so, Mr. Nick, um, I would like to go chase down some space treasure. Is that cool? And he's like, yeah, you and Alfredo can do it. Just don't hurt yourselves. I'm like, all right, great. So Kevin, me and Alfredo, strap ourselves with GoPros. And we're like, we're doing this shit. And we hunt this damn game down. And we went on a crazy adventure that's all documented on IGN.com. You can find the video if you search for Mass Effect Space Hunt. Were you exists. competing against Destin Legary too? Well, it wasn't so much competing as much as it's. So we're driving, and uh, we went to the launch, which was near Baker's Beach, right? And the thing goes up, and then we can find this like um, the GPS tracking system. So Kevin's back there. This is a couple years ago, so it's not like you have the LTE and all this. So we're going through disasters every intermittently. A lot I of like, LTE. signals are coming through, and we're like hunting this thing down. And it's like we knew where it was going, we knew the trajectory, and Kevin knows all about wind. So we knew the direction we were going. We're like, all right, we're heading towards Santa Cruz. So we start driving to Santa Cruz, and I'm in my 1994 Toyota Corolla. And let me tell you what, Greg, yeah. that car, seen some shit. And this day, no different. It was going straight through the shit fields, and I was like, we're going fucking hard. We are ride or dying on this bitch, and we were probably going to die. Yeah. So we're cruising through, having our good old times, doing all our update blogs and stuff over on IGN. Then all of a sudden, uh, it turns into a one-laner because we're going through the Santa Cruz like mountains. Sure. Someone makes a turn, and I see him do a U-turn. I was like, oh, fuck, we need to make a U-turn, too. So I do a U-turn. Then I notice the car behind me does a U-turn, and the car behind that, and all of a sudden, I'm like, holy shit. Every single car in this lane is chasing this, this is goddamn run. weather balloon. Then all of a sudden, it turns into that shit. We all realize it, and then it's like all of a sudden, this game turns us into animals, and we're all driving on the wrong side of the street. I literally off-roaded in my 1994 Toyota Corolla, which was all, that was the death of that car, by the way. That was the final sure. straw that thing had. We're going off-road through the fucking trees and bushes and shit. We end up trying to find it and it ends up in a tree, ends up um, on someone's private property. There's fucking coyotes around, mountain lions and shit. Some dude's like, get the fuck off my property. And there's all these guys. And I'll never forget the reason I bring up this story. We spent an entire day with this guy that ran PR for Mass Effect. And he quit shortly after. I've never seen someone more stressed and upset. And like he just immediately was like, this was the dumbest idea of all fucking time. How how far out of from launch was this? Uh, it was a week before the game. came Okay, out. that's interesting because I think I had the game like three weeks before it came out. So why were you guys even doing this? You could have just had content. My copy. It was fun. Well, no, <laughs> oh, they didn't a, care about the was, game. I'm sure there was a huge. Oh, we didn't give a fuck. There was a huge update. Like the IGN, there was like a live blog update following our whole thing. Until one point, we were at a point there was no reception, so there's just no more updates. So Eric Hart from IGN was really worried because he thought we were like dead. Yeah. Because me, Alfredo, and Kevin at the time, he didn't even know. We're just out there in the wilderness, man. It was some bad times. Just some scary shit. Anyway, Destin goes in the middle of the night and finds it because uh, he could see that the bl the blip of the light when it was dark. Yeah, we were about to hang out there in the, with the mountain lions. I don't fuck with the mountain lions. You don't fuck with mountain lions. I went home, but there it was a whole thing, and I'll never forget that. I'll never forget being that PR guy, and then him quitting, and then me seeing him at E3 later, and him just being like, "I can't believe that happened, but we did it together." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, we did." I'm upset we didn't get it though. Yeah, you failed. We do to this day. I have uh, the the walkie-talkie that the guy threw down and broke because he was like, fuck this. The PR guy? I was like, I'm getting some treasure from this. Yeah. Two nice. things so, yeah. oh, two I want to add. One, first time I ever 
was a cameraman. Yeah. The footage, unusable. It was unusable. <laughs> Not much has changed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving forward from this, we got one from a boy, Jake James Lugo. He says, I want to hear about games that helped everyone out through a very rough time in life. Something that got us back on our feet. The only thing I can think about is Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, where I was really sick. And that game helped me not think I was going to die. Because I was throwing up constantly. And I was like, fuck, this really sucks. But I loved that game so much that it distracted me from my projectile vomiting. I don't know that I even have an answer to that question. I mean, but... I have a hard time focusing on games when I'm upset, actually. So I, I don't really play. I don't play games when I'm like in a bad place. That's just me, though. Uh, I mean, I've written about it. It's one of my most famous IGN articles, right? Of playing through the pain. And it was about infamous when I got super into infamous when I was going through my divorce. Uh, but that's played out. I've said that a million times. Uh, I always go back to I mean, this isn't like a rough time or whatever. But I remember when we were moving houses for the first time, trying to sell our uh, original house, how into road rash on Genesis I was. I played the fuck out of Road Rash. I was all excited to come home and play Road Rash, right? It's one of those, like, memories, you know, hey, like, those seminal memories of, like, weird things that you don't think you should remember, but you remember. And I remember, you know, coming into the house after an open house and, like, the windows were open and it was, it was like, but it was spring. They shouldn't have been open, so it was, like, just a little too cold. Mm. And sitting there playing Road Rash was great. Bring back Road Rash. Geek Post says, are there any modern video game characters that can reach mascot status, such as Mario or Link? It's I mean, hard. Like, it's a different time now. Yeah, but I mean, Nathan Drake's, you know, was in for the mm. long time the mascot of PlayStation. Right? They tried to make Sackboy a thing. Though. He I is think, though, but he's not. He like, is though, but he is though. Him just being the one thing that's like a recognizable face for the brand doesn't make him the mascot. I think that like the Nathan Drake is in great games and Uncharted are definitely like the flagship titles for PlayStation, but he's not a mascot. I don't. But I, I mean, really he kind of was. Like, I mean, they do use cosplayers. He was in the Subway commercials. He was in PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. I mean, like, not granted, million people were, but that was the thing. Like, they did seem like they were pushing that for a while. And Sackboy was th- something they definitely were pushing. Where I think it was you talking about like where your sister's a teacher and she would talk about how kids are super into Sackboy even though they don't fucking play the game. Yeah, well, people were like, yeah, for a while she was like, well, what is this character? That people are bringing like, up. Yo, like, it's Sackboy. Sack like, no, I think the answer is. I think the answer is no. No, I, I agree. Don't get me wrong. You're not gonna have another Sonic or yeah. Mario or anything. But yeah, I mean, I think the difference with the, with Drake and the reason that I'm like definitely no is because those the subway things were more uncharted commercials. Sure. Whereas like these other characters could be in. Don't get me wrong. I don't things. think they'll hit that. But I'm saying like that's the closest equivalent I think we have at this day. Yeah, because yeah, I don't. I don't think really think that there is at all. Um, let's see. Stuart Carson says, "What are your opinions on custom consoles and skins?" I've talked about this in the past. I feel like I don't care what the console looks like as long as it works and it plays the games properly. So when the the the, the fear around some of these special edition consoles or these these skins or whatever, I, I, I don't I don't get down with it. I think the, I think the controllers are way more interesting. Um, yeah. And and uh, but even then, I don't care. I, I, I don't look at my PS4. I'm not like staring at it all day. You know, so it's. Um, so it's not for me. I think the cooler things are like the old retro consoles that people go back and make. They, people are fucking around a lot with the NES specifically, and I think there's some cool stuff being done there. But in terms of contemporary consoles, like the ones sold out of a box from a brick and mortar or an online merchant or whatever, I don't, I don't, I don't it doesn't do it for me. I like them. Uh, mm. It's rare that it would ever make me go do it. 20th anniversary PlayStation was the one that I tried to get, but like the Batman one, I didn't care about. I thought it, you know, that's cool, whatever. Uh, when you see a custom, like it was at uh, Kevin and I were at, ah, uh, Jesus fucking Christ, one of the PAXs in the last calendar year where we went to and they had that. Remember this, the custom Fallout 
PC they had, Kev, where it was like all rusted out and had the Vault Tech symbol yep. on it. And you could it was open Patch it up. Prime. That was fucking awesome. Yeah, and that, was really that cool. shit's cool. That was I have sick. a. He talked about stickers. I have you know my Xbox One decked out in a uh, flaming toast sticker. For, uh, that's all Mizzou stuff. And like uh, that's cool. It's not like a huge deal to me, but I thought the Xbox One was ugly and wanted to do something different with it. Uh, when we did, we're still working at uh, IGN. Obviously, we had that Beyond 200 skin for the PlayStation. Yeah, that I have on the. That. P- that's cool that I have that on the PS3 still. Right. And the one thing I like from contemporary kind of consoles is the stickers that we put over the um, um, over the touchpad on the PS4. Oh yeah, I I mean, this Toasty one of my controllers has a kind of funny logo, and one yeah. of them has a Team Fat like logo on it. So I, I like that, but. It's uh, it's not very important to me. I just want the functionality. It can be like I've said before. It can be a cardboard box. Yeah, I won't go and do like the full Toasty sticker skin like that'll go over the entire controller. I like how uh, the controllers look simple, and I like how it accentuated on the PS4 with the touchpad and the light bar. Yeah, when I was young, I really liked the stuff. Like I remember with uh, my PS2, I got it modded. Like I actually, oh, yeah. you know, with the different. It wasn't even just like a sticker. It was the actual different top and all that stuff. Uh, most of it was for pirating, but one that also had the second thing of like, oh, cool, my PS2 can be blue now. Like, that's yeah, obviously yeah. appealing to me. It wasn't even a thing. Like, when we were young, it wasn't even a thing. The N64, as far as I remember, was the first con- console that ever really had any option to do and anything it to so it. So many. Recently, I saw a picture um, from people that I think they were in Germany, uh, and there was this like store that had every single N64 that ever came out. And it's crazy. They're, they're all next to each other, and it had every. Um, peripheral that came with it or was sold with it because remember n64 like it had that the color line at mm-hmm. some point and it was the system you could also buy the controllers yep. separately and there was like the color controllers were like a game changer i remember that yeah. was so cool to get all those and then your friends and you i had a blue n64 controller that was my was jam that's all i played yeah. Yeah. i loved the purple one that like the see-through purple oh, one yeah, yeah, that yeah. they ended up coming with the the system that was my control i was like fuck you you ain't playing with that the one. pokemon snap i think console i think that was what it was the yellow no, pokemon one. hey you pikachu oh hey you pikachu yeah that's what it was i remember that one being like i was like that's kind of cool that's the blue one yeah. yeah, yeah, I do. Unfortunately, that, that was a that was a game. They, was they a, experimented a couple times with Pokemon on N sixty four, like in a, an interesting way. Maybe yeah. not a way that played play off, but I appreciated that. Yeah, the, the custom console thing was like a like a later. I mean, there was iterations of consoles, but we weren't going to like buy like a special Genesis or an SNES, right? Or whatever. Right, like that didn't mm-hmm. exist. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been episode eighty three of the Kind of Funny Games Cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes. Those are the coolest dudes of video games, and here we all are together. Just thank stay in you. the fucking wide, thank you, Kevin. Kevin. It's easy. And for all of you that have been joining us during the stream, thank you very much for watching us all day. Yeah, thank you. That was some insanity. That was he, He's just doing to annoy us now. He thinks because he's been up for 46 hours, he can just do whatever the hell he Hold wants. On. R- r- real talk, though. Thank you so much for everyone that's, that's stuck with us. We appreciate you. Thank and, you very much. This whole studio is because of your support, so we, we 100%. love and respect and appreciate you for that. Thank you very much. Yes. So we're going to end the show right here.